I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you can support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at Show at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and envies. Welcome to fuck. I have a four pack of uh, indies here, which are uh, pale ales from Scotland. Uh, they will be gone very quickly as we discuss both episodes twenty-three and twenty-four of Banana Fish. Uh, it's over. Um, I'm Shaden. I thought, you know, it'd be funny to come into this stream wearing a silly Christmas hat. Uh, this may potentially have been a bad idea. <laughs> no, uh, it's not a bad idea. And on the other side of the pond, uh, not wearing a Christmas hat, but still infinitely cooler than I am, the Sordoxa. Um, Hello. Hi. I can't really think of a witty greeting right now. My brain is... Uh, I, I, how How can you? Like... Uh, how? How? The episode... Dropped, like you know, not e- not even an hour ago, and so we watched it right away. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Boy, like I, man, I thought twenty two was brutal, right? Like I was, mm-hmm. that I I've, I've been yanked around because I was like, okay. By the way, if you're watching this. Uh, spoilers. Um, yeah, huge, yeah, the <laughs> huge, bloody, massive, like kaiju size spoilers. Like, I'm not sure why you'd be tuning into this, if you, <laughs> but if if you if you didn't want to be spoiled, but like, okay, so yeah, I, I thought, yes, I also feel like I've been stabbed. Mirror, also, 
Welcome. Hello. I didn't think you were going to be able to make it, but I'm glad. Hello, everyone. Glad Good to have uh, you all. Yeah. Hi, Tallulah Bell, Sophie. Um, yeah, like, I when I thought AG was dead, I was like, all right. I That's na- it. We're safe. Yeah. We're safe. <laughs> I know. We're fine. <laughs> We've had we've had we've had the moment in yep. which we thought it was going to happen. No, we're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. And I realised that it was just the the bait and switch, the sleight of hand. They and... gave us they gave us hope. Just like at the very fucking end, when Ash was full of hope and was like, "No, I'm gonna like I had a plan, but fuck it. I'm just just going with hope now. I'm gonna fly free." Uh, and then. Yeah, so he was alive, and now I have to be like, wow, okay, like my reset all my expectations. Mm-hmm. God, he's gonna do. He's gonna go down very, very quickly. All right, so I suppose we should get underway. So, firstly, uh, do you want to talk about Twitter? Yeah, uh, let us visit the Twitter uh, poll from last week. Mm-hmm. Um. Where do I have that? Okay. Here we go. From episode 22. I don't remember the name of the episode. But this is these are the polls from 22. Does Nobuyoshi Arai hate all of us? Oh, he definitely does now after this. <laughs> well, so he, like, he wasn't involved with this one. <laughs> he, this is the director of 22, but yeah, no. Those yeah, whoever, whoever made this one is a fucking war criminal. Those fuckers hate us so much. Uh mm. The, the 84% said yes, in all caps. 19% said yes, in normal caps. It's true. 19, I mean 16%. If it was 19%, that'd be more than 100%. Does hashtag <laughs> banana fish have the best hugs in anime? 91% say yes. Mm-hmm. Do you regret everything now? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Are we talking about previously? Yeah, this- this we should just rerun these polls. <laughs> I know. Thirty-eight uh, percent said not everything. Thirty-four percent said I already did, and twenty-eight percent said I do. Count me in the twenty-eight percent then and now mm. and forever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh boy. Man. All right. So, creatives, who who is responsible? Who do we need? To, who do we need to you know be appalled at for this? Apart from the obviously the original creator of the yeah man. yeah. Uh, so, um, oh, uh, hi, Liamaru. Um, yeah, you've made it in time for a live stream for, for the sad one, which I yeah. thought, I, again, thought we already did the sad one, but turns out. Oh, boy. Nope. Incorrect. Uh, all right. So, um, both for whom the bell tolls, 23, uh. For whom the bell? No. Yeah. Which is, um. That's not... Is that Hemingway who wrote that? I feel like it is. Uh, and The Catcher in the Rye, episode 24, will be the J.D. Mm-hmm. Salinger novel. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't there a J.D. Salinger reference in Darling in the Fucking Franks? <laughs> wasn't um, there a big reference? Uh, I can't remember. I feel like there definitely was, but I'd have to... I'd have to think about that show much longer than I wanted to, so I'm not going to do and that. Let's not. No, please, let's not. Let's not uh, do that. So the script for this one, for both of these, you know, Hiroshi Seko, according to Wikipedia, has been the writer for every episode, and that remains true. 
but the directors, mm-hmm. episode director of 23, Yui Um... God. Yes. Uh, Yui Umamoto. So Umamoto um, has a small-ish CV, according to Anime News Network. They've been the episode director for uh, things here and there, done storyboarding uh, for Kids on the Slope, directed an episode of that as well. That's fantastic uh, anime, Kids on the Slope. Um, mm-hmm. Natsume's Book of Friends, the second season, done an episode of that. Princess Jellyfish, MMO Junkie was the unit director for episode four of that. It all remember. ties together. It all links. <laughs> I know. We have the Wari Desho-like through line like we do in everything. <laughs> yes. Our our uh, red string uh, bulletin board map. Um, but the thing mm. that uh, they've done the most work on are they've done storyboard and episode direction for da 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 the first season of mm-hmm. that, which was excellent. And then uh, Bushiroad Card Battle Anime, Card Fight Vanguard TV. <laughs> We've got mm-hmm. uh, eight episodes worth of storyboard uh, and ten episodes and an OP's worth of uh, direction for the first season of, of Card Fight Vanguard. And mm-hmm. uh, they went on to fully direct subsequent seasons Cardfight Vanguard G, G Gers, mm-hmm. and G Stride Gate Hen. So Umamoto sort of marinating in card battle anime took the time to come <laughs> and, you know, uh direct an episode of Banana Fish and did an excellent Well he deployed job. the trap card in this one, didn't he? They did. But you know it's thinking that we you know we were in the clear, like, oh that's it, off into the sunset. Fucking great. Yeah. We got blue eyes, white dragon, something fierce. <laughs> That's the wrong card battle. This ain't staying on, <laughs> this ain't staying on so I'm going to put it off now. But Oof. fuck, um, fuck. So thank, yeah, thank you, Mirror. It is Hemingway. I, I thought so, but I it's not. I haven't read it, so it didn't stick in my memory. And mm-hmm. for the final episode, we've got a pair of episode directors. And I think Ooh. you can really tell because the production quality for this one is way mm-hmm. up from previous ones. Um, mm-hmm. First, uh, we have uh, Hiroko Utsumi, and they are paired with Daisuke Tokudo. Now, what an interesting pairing because it's like the two kind of halves of what's happening all throughout the show each mm-hmm. have a lead because you have uh Usumi who has done a bunch of direction storyboarding and even animating was key animator for Kyoto Animation which we mm. all know really leans into the character stuff there's all all their huge shows uh are character-driven and have wonderful character animation as well. And I thought that was totally evident here for both characters I liked and characters I didn't like. Um, Mm -hmm. So we've got Utsumi uh, directed a couple seasons of Free, you know, did key animation for a bunch of episodes of Clannad, K-On!, and K-On! Season 2 did some storyboarding, for season two and episode direction. Oh, is it called Chaos? 
on off. No, <laughs> too easy. K-, K on two honor, <laughs> honor than before. Uh, Kanan, uh, love Chinibio and other delusions. Melancholia, uh, melancholy. Here I am doing the doing the the thing. Uh, melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Uh, d- you know this Nichijo storyboarding key animation episode direction for i mean tamako love story the movie they were on the production committee for that um we have a person in utsumi who again is all about the character animation and direction and that really really showed well here i mean just sometimes people will turn their head it's like wow many frames of animation (laughs) many frames many (laughs) frames for the head turns or like the fucking the way that the light was depicted, even on uh, fucking Dino's face. I'm like, Dino, yeah. I hate you, but you're well drawn right now. You are well drawn, <laughs> right now, sir. Uh, and then you got Daisuke Tokdo, who is an action director. Well, no surprises why he was probably doing in this particular yes. episode. We got Gurren Lagan. You know, we got mm-hmm. uh, Blood Plus. This person, he special effects on blood plush, uh, plush, blood plush, yes, plush, yes. Don't worry blood, about Bell. Blood plush, yes. Don't uh, worry about Bell. We'll be we'll be around uh, on the vod, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do feel free to check it out when it's up. But thank you very much for joining us uh, throughout. Um, yeah. And before you go, a very merry Christmas to you as well. Yep. Yep. Enjoy your holiday. Um, and be safe. Be well. Take care. And like he said, we'll be there for you anytime on YouTube, SoundCloud, I just and then come January the eleventh, we'll be around again. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about we're that making, later. We're making a promise about an Everland as it happens. Well now we don't need to talk about it later. <laughs> the, too uh, easy, too easy. The Totoro's out of the bag. And uh mm. So yeah, we're we're gonna be <sighs> doing the Promise Neverland uh, for Stream of Thought next season, which I'm very excited about. I've I've already broken into the manga, and it's very difficult to stop reading. Like, I want to talk about Banana Fish a lot, but I feel like there's an almost equal part of me that wants to just go and read more of the Promise Neverland. 2019. 2019, my friend. All right. So uh, let's get back to Daisuke Tokido. Um Got some Tokyo Magnitude 8 uh, storyboarding episode direction for episodes 2 and 5. Attack on Titan, one of the premier and most well-known action anime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good at that, at least. I can be nice towards it about that, I suppose. Key animator for the Heart Catch Precure movie, which fucking ruled... And had some fantastic action. I don't know about Precure is great. Um, one day, one day you'll be forced by me to watch Heart Catch because it is the best Precure, and it's <laughs> amazing. It's so fucking good. Uh, but uh, the only director credit, like full director credit, that I'm seeing, you know, I talked to so episode direction here and there. Ooh, Sengoku Basara too. That again. Amazing piece of action entertainment. I love Sengoku Basara. Uh, what a... Of, and of, of course, like, 
very, very actiony and very, very gay. So, <laughs> hence the banana fish uh, connection. Seraph of the End, both seasons of that was the thing I was getting to. Uh, full director on mm. both of those. And I've not seen that show, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty actiony. I mean, just looking at the key art, it looks it looks like very much your action. Indie number two. It's out. We're yeah. already we're already there. Your action anime. <laughs> I mean, if, if you'll excuse me two seconds. <clears throat> if things get really dire, well, it is episodes 23 and 24 of Banana Fish. I do have this. Wow. <laughs> what have you there? What is that a bottle of? That is Jim Bean. <laughs> Bourbon whiskey. Wow. I'm not usually a whiskey drinker, to be honest, but it is here. Admittedly, it should be behind a piece of glass that says breaking case of emergency. That time. But I, you know, it's, it's here. The For the moment, I'm going to me, I'm stick to me indies in the meantime. Uh, by the way, uh, because we do need the levity for this, this appears to have been imported. I'm not quite clear where from, but what should say two units, um, which I don't know if you have units in America, is like measurements of how much alcohol is in it. No? No, we do um, not. alcohol percentage by volume. We do that, but we have units because like, there's like a guidance on how many units someone should drink per day or per week. Uh, uh, so I'm assuming there's meant to be a unit thing here, but it just says pant. Two pant. <laughs> I kid you not. Two, wait, no, there, there we go. Might be out, be out of focus, but two pan. <laughs> says right there. Oh, so anyway, this is, is going to go back ac- on the shelf in a moment. <laughs> it's an acronym for like pints average something? I don't know. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's getting drunk regardless. So anyway. And the last, right. the last person I wanted to take time to shout out is <sighs> we talked about him before. Uh, and I never remember his stage name, but um, Shinichi Osawa. Mm. The music, holy lord, in these episodes, it was so good. Like, it added... Fuck, the closing five minutes? Whatever that ballad is called, you know, that played, it was dur- during 23 when the uh, the please, it was like- please God take me scene, and then all across the end of the last one like oh my god like i don't know if i'll be able to listen to that like just on its own it's it's gonna be i'm gonna put that and uh giraffe blues i was thinking that together and be like never never unless i'm doing Uh, i'm acting in a movie and you want me to cry like mm, put them away felt like my soul was being caressed by razor blades i'm like holding my heart this is this is rough shit. We're very fresh off it. Yeah. Mondo Grosso, oh. thank you. Thank you. Oh, Monira. Monira. We all need a hug. I'm sending you a hug through uh, through the internet. Man. Right, okay. So, here's the thing about how we're going to handle this uh, finale, as it happens, of Stream of Thought Season 3. This is the last one for the season. Uh, we are indeed going to be back, of course, in the new year with the promised deadline, but we have to do this a little different. Um, we're not going to go through extensive, exhaustive discussions of details bit by bit of what happens in each episode. We're going to talk about like what we, you know, the talking points that we had, and then the show overall, pretty much. So we're going to firstly assume that you have seen episode twenty-three mm-hmm. uh, and, of course, twenty-four. Um, but this is your final warning. 
because we haven't yet really discussed, without being circumspect about it, what happened in episode 24. Absolute final warning, if you do not want to be smiled on it, given this is literally released just an hour ago, then abandon ship now. I won't I won't hate you for it. I won't even, you know, think lightly of you or wrongly of you because it's a good idea. Like you have to experience this wrong. You can't have someone else tell you about it second hand. <sighs> so And on that note, may I just say mm-hmm. thank you everyone in chat for being so good about not spoiling stuff. Like for mm. me and Shadon personally, because I mean it could have been so easy to like let things slip or, or just be the kind of person that was like blurting them out, but like you are really good to us and to each other. Uh, Indeed. It, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, we're going to break this down into two chunks. We're going to do twenty-three talking points first, which will be led by Doc, and then we're going to do twenty-four led by me. And well, ain't that fucking pressure right there? Oh, God help me. <laughs> If you're if you're off Sophie, then thank you very much for joining us. Feel yep. free to tune back in when the VOD's up and you've seen the episode. Uh, Maybe we'll still tissues. be talking <laughs> after could thirty well minutes. Could, we could very well be. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Um, yeah, is spoilers all the way out from here. No holes barred. We're going all in. And there's there's stuff that happened in the twenty four that I feel like if someone just told me. I would kind of be pissed about, but mm. like seeing it happen, I, I'm, I'd say like 95% of me, like is kind of at peace with what happened. So I'll, I'll just say this up front because I feel it needs to be stated. I think the ending is fucking magnificent, but I can't deny that it, it raped my heart something fierce. Because I had one thing I wanted to see, personally, like not talking as a critic here, but talking as a you know someone who's engaged with the material. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see AG and Ash have their metaphorical ride off into the sunset, the open sure. ending, the endless ending. I might have spoken mm-hmm. about before, where you can imagine all the possibilities that they have, you know, out there. You know, their life is theirs for the living. Uh, that did not come to pass. And the thing is, I respect the work for doing it, but by God, it also is just like, well, can you technically, can you technically call out a safe word after the actual event is over? Is it a bit late then at that point? You know, like, uh, boy, um, I don't even, I don't know if it's possible that they, that they could have had that ending. I think that might be part of what the show's trying to tell us with what actually Oh, I, I absolutely believe that the ending that we got was very much intended and had a very deliberate message behind Um, with, with its own literary parallel, one I've actually made before, but we'll get to it when we discuss 24. Oof. Anyway, the shall parallel, we... Uh... The parallel better not be... You know, the first thing I thought of was Phantom. <laughs> can I just say... Can I, can... <laughs> No, Doc, 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 here's the thing, right? I was thinking the exact same thing, and I just chose not to talk about it. I was like, no, I can't, I can't do it. It's so different than that, though. And if you want to actually go down that road and talk about it, we can. 
but it is no no it is totally different in my opinion no like no so undeserved and unjustified in phantom but i think probably inevitable here and Mm. probably also unfortunately justified uh but all right getting ahead of ourselves Mm-hmm. So let's get into some 23 here. Talking mm-hmm. points. For whom the, For bell, whom the bell tolls. Uh, there's a lot of places I could go. Um, probably the scene that'll stick with me the most, though, is. Um, gosh, there was this whole sequence when. Well, no, I may, I may be running them together in my head. There's two parts, but in my head they form a whole. One part is when Ash is being lectured to by Blanca. You know, Blanca is saying... Oh, yeah. And and he's not wrong about anything that he's saying, but it's still I, I, fucking I, I'll, painful. I almost, I almost thought Blanca was going to start staring right into the camera as he said that. It <laughs> says, you, you know it's true. You know it's right, audience at home. Yeah. Uh, the, lo- the key line that I want to bring up from that specifically is he says, I'm going to confess, by the way, I did see 23 last week and I haven't had the opportunity to rewatch it before doing this stream. So if I'm misphrasing this, then I apologize. But he says something's the effect of AG doesn't exist to be your salvation or something's to that effect. That's like exactly it. That's a, qu- a direct yeah. quote. Yeah. Which I said previously, um, I ideally, that should be true. Because we, you know, even in the worst situations, if you put, if you use someone to plug a hole in your life and then rely on them, you'll never let them go, or you'll never be self reliant as a complete person. And Black is saying that, like, I really appreciate him saying it, but uh, but because I'm a pedantic, you know, nitty gritty, you know, bastard, I was like, this is still coming from you who let all this shit happen to him in the first place. It's a bit late for this, isn't it? Adam. Well, I think that's always. From, the, I think well from these two episodes, I think it's pretty clear that he he knows that he was wrong, and he's. I wish trying, I could trying to make up better for it. though. That's the problem. Like, I had a problem with Blanca's late inclusion as it was, but I don't. Well, yeah. I ultimately wouldn't have minded mm-hmm. if something like more substantial occurred. That, but he never, to me, truly articulated that he had a proper change of heart, like that he recognized now that. He had been complacent before, because let's be honest, he was. I'd argue that anyone who would profess to say like that they knew or tutored or looked after Ash during his earlier year, when he was Golzine's pet for all intents and purposes, if they want to say, oh yeah, I care about him, but they let it happen, I'd argue that's com- complicity. And that makes it harder for me to buy into them than suddenly, you know, being supportive of him later on. Unless they outright address the fact that they did that, like I'm sorry, I, I like you just said, I'm sorry, I let that happen to you back then. I didn't understand, or I just felt like I turned a blind eye to it. It's not major criticism because I think that it's just a function more of Blanca's late arrival than anything else. But I appreciate the line, but I think it could have had so much more punch to it if it had followed from that kind of line of thinking and discussion, in which Blanca says, "I'm sorry, I let you down." Yeah, so like, I was thinking about this, this sort of thing, because we've said it before, and 
I really go back to something that I said on a previous cast, which was supported by an actual Japanese person who's mm-hmm. watching our show in the comments, and just that the Japanese culture is one that, and I'm real, I'm speaking very broad brush generalities, mm-hmm. and what I say doesn't hold true for every interaction, but uh, there's they value harmony above all else. And so there's not, so indirect communication is much more um, the norm. Like I was mm. looking up how to say no in Japanese, right? And it was like, well. Is I say no in Japanese? There's, <laughs> <laughs> there's not really like a way, at least of a common way at all to say it. Like, mm. because, I mean, there's a word for it, but it's almost never used by adults just because mm. that's really not the way you navigate interactions. You'd be like, no, I can't do this. You would you know, now that, now that indirectly you do it. Now that you mention that, I've just actually been thinking, like, have I ever heard that word, like, put in subs? Like, you know, for adapt- adaptations of Japanese works? Like, I've seen like, a lot of... Um, a lot to be honest like the the thing i thought of that's closest to that was like i don't know if you have someone say calling like if there's a character called i don't know um yuki and someone insisted on calling yuki yuki chan he might say like he might resist that and say chan janai like no without like without chan or you know no more chan but like oh is uh, that is that the prequel to no more heroes it is heroes Jedi. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think Blanca and and Blanca showing up um, to be with Ash and saying, "Hey, contract me out. Like, do it for a minimal fee." Uh, it's it's for him, but it's also for Ash too. To make things less awkward for mm-hmm. Ash, so don't, they don't have to have that like direct and emotional discussion. Like Ash understands by Blanca's yeah. gesture that he's sorry and that he's trying to make up for it, and they both yeah, kind of know I they understand so. it without having to make thing without having to disrupt their harmony. So mm. this is what I would like fall back on, and like I'm totally uneducated and not an expert, yeah, about this stuff. So, like, I'm sure in two years we're going to get, like, a comment. Like, I'm sorry I'm coming to this late. I have a PhD in <laughs> Japanese studies, or I am a Japanese person. Here's I, why I am from the, Hanuk- I am from the like, Tonic Far Prefecture. You know, I was totally born and raised in Japan. You know, I am the master of the Kenai. Well, you know, that shite again, like, fucking people pretending they knew how to properly Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's right. The zombie Wank. land. Oh, boy. Yeah. Eat shit. Anyway, um, no, I, I, the thing is, right, I get where you're coming from. It is a cultural thing. And I think that when I criticize it in that way, I'm going to have to accept it as that kind of thing where I can only speak for myself on this and what I would have liked to have seen. Um, But I do think we can, I do think we can agree, though, that cultural or no, Blanca, at least in the anime as opposed to the actual material, because there's a lot of the mention of like side stories. He was a late character, he was a late arrival. Um, that in of itself, like being late into a show is not necessarily a bad thing just because it happens. It's a question of how you execute on it. 
And so I argue your mileage may vary. I mean, in the end, like now that we have concluded the series, I can say that I actually enjoyed Blackest Presence. We even got some nice bit of comedy in 24 with him, you know, being too fat to get through the fucking air vent because he's like, you know, <laughs> six foot, he's like six foot three. And he's, got... he's too buff. <laughs> and both, fat, he's fat fucking muscles. solid. Like, he's a rock, dude. Yeah. Fat, fat with muscles. <laughs> That's right. You know, That's the idea. Um. So anyway, but yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, I don't even remember. Okay, yeah, like so. Yeah, we talked. I mean, you basically laid the scene out. You know, it's like you like you want to. How do I call it? You're only looking to ease your own solitude. You're not thinking about Ag, but he's not mm. there just to make you feel better, just to save you, and like Ash pulls out his Glock or I can't even remember the name of his gun, but his pistol. Mm-hmm. Just shooting all around Blanca, screaming. His wound in his in his stomach opens up. You see it pouring out through the bandage. And then he collapses. And it's just like, man. Like, that depiction of this desperate, desperate person who just can't do anything to help mm-hmm. the person he loves like it was so raw and powerful and blanca like dropping truth bombs and you just can't say anything you can't fight it with reason because you know he's right so you just lash yeah. out and he's absolutely and, right oh i just it was such a powerful scene and then i think after he wakes up i i think it's sing who he's talking to i can't remember if blanca is mm. there but when everyone leaves the room and Ash is praying, basically saying like, God, like, please take me instead. Don't, don't hurt AG. And, or I guess he's in his mind planning like, Oh, that's a, well, that's, oh man. Why, <sighs> him saying that particular line, that came back to bite him. Aggressively. Yeah, I sing and Blanca were definitely like they were there to make you smile uh, mm. in twenty four. And uh, how about uh, all right? How about how about Lau? And he he had he had a lot of stuff to do in mm-hmm. these two episodes. He mm-hmm. could he couldn't fucking bring himself to uh, and and how about and sing opening up. To his Aniki, you know, saying, I wish I'd never become a boss. And yep. I'm gonna, I have to do it. I have to like do this really hard shit to make everyone satisfied and give everyone their pound of flesh. None of it's what I want to do. I fucking hate it. But yeah. this is where life has pinned me in. Lau, well, this is the thing. don't this, you go this... against me again. Follow me, whatever I say. And then he yeah. fucking didn't. He couldn't do it. What a selfish bastard! God, support well, this, your boy. This, this, support your this, boy. This actually ties into the overall ending and message of the show. So put a pin in it for later because it will be important when we get to discuss the uh, the moment in which Lau follows through on his uh, fucking, you know, threats previously. But yeah, uh, can I just say, by the way, that. Sing in these two episodes, like 
he fucking skyrocketed in terms of his character growth. And I was so pleased to see that. Mm-hmm. He got such a satisfying payoff. I, think I agree. All the stuff he's been through. I was really, really happy with that. I mean, I'll save that for 24, but mm-hmm. it seems like that if the cogs are turning in his head, he's like, okay, I've got people expecting of me to go and wreak bloody vengeance on Ash and other people for what's happened. Uh, even my own friends and followers who are so, like, you know, close to me in this group, they demand it. Honor, even, I would argue, demands it. Yeah. But Singh learns the lesson that Lau doesn't because Lau's a fucking brain-dead waste of oxygen. But anyway, Singh <sighs> learns man, the lesson. He's so proud. Like, his pride is... Pride, yeah. Totally, his downfall. Uh, he just couldn't fucking swallow... Mm. Uh what Ash was about and I don't know, just his presence and, yeah. and I guess like ultimately couldn't deal with Shorter's death, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe that's when he really kind of, maybe he's just waiting around to die after that. Mm. I don't know. Who can say? Who can say? Fuck. Well, do you have anything else to add about 23? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we we get to see again Yutlung talk about his past to Blanca. Uh, drunk, by the way, um, and uh, oh the, yeah, the one the one time Jeez. this show made me laugh, <laughs> like was when Blanca. Oh, it made you laugh before the cop block scene. Oh yeah, no, no, the, I'm the... I'm sorry. What I mean is this: these yeah. episodes, <laughs> the like In the fact, just, one of two times just... they made me laugh. <laughs> was, Man. Just quick, quick shout out to Banana Fish's comedy, by the way. Like, throughout pretty much much of the show, the comedy has been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's comedy is always a hard thing to like, you know, rate and critique because at the end of the day, you basically have to bar down to did I laugh or did I not. Very simple. And it's hard to say. Like, you can certainly speak to structure and editing with it, you know, and all that. But well, yeah. it's hard. But I will say this: comedy throughout the show consistently gave me chuckles and even when it was just like the action unintentional like you know like max's amazing um you know rail slide drop kick like he was doing a tony hawk's trick we all remember that from the mental asylum uh, or the cop blocking scene the most amazing comedy scene in the entire show's run which still make them um, like incredible hate luke young all you want but he he, when he did that, when that scene happened, he became a baller, and he remained a baller to the end. <laughs> he was an absolute baller. What a what a guy! Oh. What a guy! He was kind of like, I don't know. He felt pretty impotent these last couple episodes, but that made sense for his character. Delip, yeah, exactly. Um, I actually got proven right on my little, uh, you know, theory about what the intent of Luke Young as a character was. Um, and even he gets a second chance in the end, although we also don't get to see the fruition of that. But that's fine. Like, you know, he's starting on the... Blanco was step. right. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Blanco's always right. He's, he, like, just traveling uh, hitman full of sage wisdom. What a character. Like you, like well, you like were a, saying. A like, dude, I would say. Like, I um, was very unsure in the beginning but by the end, I really came to like his presence. I'm like, you know, there's two part. There's part of me that really wishes he was tied in better earlier on, like 
but separating that part, there's this part of me that just finds him intensely likable, and I'm so glad he's a, a good guy now. He's siding with the the blonde pretty killer instead yeah. of the bald killer. Um, yeah, I I really appreciate, by the way, how good Blank could send out to be at Silent Scope. He was so good at that game. He was able to snipe a fucking helicopter, dude. I was like pumping my fist, like, yeah, when baby, that, unseen that, sniper. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself on this way for you, but when that fucking chop with the minigun turned up, I just thought this is a time crisis level. I was wondering. I was like, what is Moonwalker? Oh, that's Moonwalker. <laughs> just the giant gun. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was expecting more Michael Jackson. Rest is right. Okay, Moonwalker's down. We're going to send in Smooth Criminal. Yep, yep. That, that and then clearly... we got Billy Jean on the way. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh man. Who? Wait, but then Ash asks, "Who is Billy Jean?" And Colonel Fox goes, "Billy Jean is not my lover. She's just a girl." <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Man, this show was heavy, wasn't it? <sighs> I think Doc Shock circuited. Like, if you've ever had to restart your PC and it goes into safe mode and you have to pick the options, that's what's happening in his brain right now. My BIOS doesn't know what to do. <laughs> uh, Would you like to run scandisk.exe? Yeah. Check for errors. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Reinstall Windows. There's a corrupt file. Um, all right. Uh. Yeah, what the fuck were we even talking? Oh yeah, when when Blanca says, uh, "Are you drunk, sir?" <laughs> oh yeah, so much. Um, no, you're sober. Uh, you're no, exactly. Um, I swear to drunk, I'm not God, Blanca. Um, so Blanca, who <laughs> who pitched in my pants? <laughs> I'm pressing Y over and over, but you're not electrocuting anyone. Come on, Blanca. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, Yulung tells us about his past again. Tells Blanca. <sighs> and, like, I think we get to... We saw maybe still shots before. I think maybe the camera panned around still frames our postcard shots. Um, that were more detailed, but seeing it animated, I mean, that fucking sucked. Uh, that was really hard. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, again, I think a line that had a lot to it um, was when Yutlung said, you know, don't we have a right to hatred? What about Ash? Doesn't he have a right to hatred? Um, like, I see what's in his heart. I know that underneath him, is like underneath the pretty exteriors is the devil. And mm. I think an earlier Ash was like the reason Lao left is because he sees that. He sees that they're the real monster underneath the the shiny veneer of an exterior. And Ryutlung has the champagne glass, you know, and part of it's a green and distorted. Yeah, and there's there there's your big visual metaphor. You know, the two sides him, one is murky and mysterious. Not you know, brutally with shape and form, and then there's the other which we know. I mean, moon, dark side, light side of the moon. I've said this thousand times before, and I'll get it in one last time before we fucking move on to the next show. I'm fond of that metaphor, and I'm going to use it. It's a good one. 
And at the end of that, of his monologue, he says, Ash should have, like, should have known that he couldn't save himself with something so frail. And that fucking stung because... Because, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if he's right. Well, okay. So let me, let me unpack this. <laughs> uh, in a sense, you could, think, you could think to yourself, okay, the show is agreeing with you, Lung, here, because Ash sees that killing and violence and everything surround him, and he's not going to escape it. Even with AG around, it's not going to pull him out of that world. He's just going to get sucked back in, and he'll suck AG into it and kill and, and get him killed. And mm. so he goes. Bear, bear in mind, AG was trying to fucking kill people himself in one of the previous episodes. Right. Well, yeah. No, exactly. Pulling AG into that world of, of mm. impurity and violence. And so, like, you could, you could be like, well, because the show ended the way it did, AG went away. Ash stayed behind and ultimately met a violent end. You could say, like, well, Yulung was right. Ash should have known he couldn't save himself with something so frail. He didn't save himself. I wasn't wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, strong enough. But I think that that's not actually looking at it in a a deeply enough because I think, despite how quote unquote frail you might say Eiji is or their bond, you, you. you might argue was I don't agree with that, but you. you well, Aichi certainly felt very differently. <laughs> you Lung would say that, uh, but like, I think that just because that they didn't end up together, I think Ash was still saved at the end, and we can talk about that mm. more at the end. But I just since oh, Yulung, we can, yeah. Yulung brought it up, so Yulung, I'm addressing, I'm addressing your claim. Um, and what did you write to the show? <laughs> exactly. He's he's just off camera over here, uh, drinking Is he more, drinking, drinking more champagne. Yes, uh, it's six glass. And boy, and but like, and this whole thing, Blanca. God, just I, I don't. He doesn't like. He doesn't say to Yutlung, "No, don't hate anyone." He's just like, "Hey, man." I get you, but do you want to create another one of those? Do you want? Do you really want to do this? And I mean, maybe he did at one point, but it's clear Yutlung at now is pretty conflicted about that. Uh, God, what like Blanca? Blanca, you're great. Uh, and then. We have uh, Blanca taking Ash to the hospital, mm. where Ash plays the prince and Cinderella at the same time. Um, and, God, how appropriate! How appropriate metaphor, given the episode that followed after it, Cinderella, the missed side. All right, cool, cool, Manira, um, and thank you, Mirror. Um, yeah, like we'll talk more about it in more detail. Yeah, we will. We will. Uh, yeah, I totally think 
I totally think Ash was was. I'm in agreement. Was saved. I believe so. I mean, I just Absolutely. see it. Yeah, I just see it. See it differently. Um. Uh, all right. There is. I just have in my notes for twenty three. Like, you can see very large. It says that scene. <laughs> Because, like, this fucking scene destroyed me. It... Do you know what Ash ended up doing to Fox? That's what the show did to my heart. <laughs> it stuck a drill and just continued, uh, like a Klingon might do. Just ripping away the insides of my heart. The spinning blades. And, uh... But I loved it. It was tremendous. I think... This whole entire anime is, like, worth it and built up to this fucking scene right here. Mm. It was visual poetry. It was a punch in the mouth. It was everything. It was everything. Mm. I hear Like, this whole thing. So, Ash goes into the hospital and he sees his love, like, what he's done to him, and he just cries and Eiji hears him in his coma and, you know, who's this very, very sad voice? I know this voice. I, I need to respond. I need to call out, but I can't. Come on. And then Ash leaves and he's saying, okay, I'm going to make all this right. I'm going to end my own life doing it and that'll be that i never need to see you again love i need to make sure that you are pure and kept away and i was like well damn like ouch like but yes it's right if the scene had just ended there it would have been good but then it got bad but then it became great it became great because he got up and I just, my notes, like, I was eating a sandwich just like, in public, <sighs> pumping my fist and just being like, yes, yes, he got up. He fucking got up. And he couldn't see. But he was, Asia was crawling his way to Ash. And, like, the tears are coming uh, for me as well as the characters. And... They reach out, and they just almost got each other. And you want them to do it. But then they can't. Because of the cops. And, and AG says, like, and one of them says, no, it's for the best for you that we don't. Right? And I feel like this has been happening through the whole show. This happened at the end. Like, they you want know to hold each other, but yeah. no, because what's best for you is that we separate. You know how I describe it? it? Sounds strange, but magnets, you know? Two magnets. You are the same, you know? Should really be together, but forces beyond their control keep pushing them apart. Mm -hmm. Bring them together for a brief time, but you have to hold it and force it in place. Yeah. You let go of that force, splits apart. And I agree, like... It, I mean, that assembled mask of the fact that Ash's confession happens when he thinks Eiji can't hear him. 
Would yep. he have said the same things if AG was awake or not? The exact same. Who can like things yeah. that AG needs to hear are filtered through his injuries. He doesn't get the chance to hear the true feelings of this man. He, I would say, is loves and adores, and it's fucking tragic. Yeah, I mean, what a, man. And then how he's just grabbing the cop's knees, just weeping. It's like, no, let him go, no, let him go. It broke me, like, as public crying. Not ugly crying, just, just streaming. Uh, and I was at a table by myself, so no one could see me. Um, God. And then the the only other things I have in my notes are that the avocado scarf is back. <laughs> full on, like uh, dipped in guacamole and flung on his neck. Uh, uh, Dino, uh, Fox is back. Unfortunately, what a, this is the only this is the only bad part of these episodes. I mean, yeah. I, I guess you needed someone to use the big guns and have gunfights with, but what a shit character. Like, so fucking annoying. Um, he took, in my opinion, at first, I would, like, spoilers, uh, Fox fucking shoots Golzine twice at the end of the episode, and my immediate reaction was, yes! Another another Fuck fucking you. episode where we we get screwed because they bring him back yeah. to life. <laughs> well, I how Golzine like Golzine like leaks out all the strawberry jam he's got inside him, and he's still walking by the end of it. I don't get it, but <laughs> what guess. it's a fucking um, action movie shit. Yeah, like, yeah, it really is. Um, but here's the thing, right? My initial reaction to that was yes, thank God, take that, you fucking cancerous atrophied, bald, fucking... And this there, are is... enough, there, are enough, there are enough words, there are words strong enough to make, to properly you know, like, you know, put out there how I feel about Gozzi. Yeah. But then I had a, a, a secondary reaction, which was wait, are you telling me that Ash's chance to truly deal in his own way with Golzine is gone? That's been taken mm. from him. I was like, okay, Until... I'll wait for episode. <laughs> yeah. I'll wait for episode three, four, and then this is the five. We'll this is part of the five percent that I feel unsatisfied because I really, oh, we talked about it a little bit before, but I think this is where the show is a little bit revealing in that, like, it. I feel like it wants me to feel sympathy for that son of a bitch. <laughs> and Can I just say, I don't we're going to make. Previous, if we're going to make reference to this previous podcast, you know where I'm going with this. You can already tell. You can see it in your eyes. I was thinking back to uh, episode 21 of Darling in the Franks. Do you remember Miss? Do you remember Dr. Franks? Do you remember how Zero Two was uh, all you like, know, how oh. could I forget the good doctor? The mis- <laughs> no, not Mr. Dr. Franks. Werner. It is me, yeah. you know, who can invent the Zero Two suit and the uh, the Frank Max and uh, and all the good things that we love about uh, watching the children change. Oh no, I did not say this. This is not coming. No, you're recording. Destroy recording. 
I remember that. Anyways, yeah, regressively. And I was thinking back to that, how, oh, here's the person who created Zero Two, and she was thankful for him for doing that. I think also, you know, torturing him, putting holes in her, generally making her life miserable. And I thought to this bit, I was like, okay, I know there's going to be a moment between Golzine and Ash before Golzine finally bites the dust. Please, please, please give it the response it deserves, which is, I owe you somewhere between jack and shit, burn in hell, you cancerous piece of shit. <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't quite get there, in my opinion, but I'll save that for 24 when we get to it. Yeah, I can spin it. I can spin an insult anytime I like. It's great. Mm. That was incredible. I'm sure you said similar things before, but your delivery just had so much venom. I could feel it. And I agree. You can burn in hell, you cancerous piece of shit. <laughs> it's because of, you know, just cock stains like you that so many little kids had to suffer. So now you suffer, you motherfucker. <laughs> just so fucking useless and shitty. Oh, I did, I just, yeah. I mean, I I feel like they might have been trying to communicate like oh like you know the Golzine was evil but there's a complex and a nuanced relationship between the uh, the father and son even though you know there was the pedophilia and the sexual Shh, stuff there was still a genuine emotion between them somehow and it's a layered di- dynamic and and I just <laughs> just want to be like fucking fuck you no <laughs> no I'm... Fuck. All right. Anyway, anyway, we'll get to that later. <sighs> okay. So yeah, in that scene, uh, and then he gets killed, and uh, yeah, that's twenty three. So, for whom the bell tolls. Uh, Except it tolls. It tolls in the next episode when he finally does die. As, as, uh, as a reference to Golzine. To as, gain his as, uh, as Coolio might have said. Uh, we've seen 23 now, but will we live through 24? The way things are going, I don't know. That's a valid point. Tell me why. Do you know, do you know the song uh, I'm referencing, right? I only remember Gangsta's, Gangsta's Paradise. Paradise. That, that's the song. You know, and he says, I'm 23 now, but will I live to see 24? The way things are going, I don't know. Oh, come on. I'm sad that you don't. Let's just, just go. Just go. Just go. Just go. Yeah. All right, so... <laughs> Episode 24, The Catcher in the Rye. A uh, book I still haven't read myself, but I'm familiar with it for a variety of references. Um, this episode is an episode of two halves. One of it is action. Like, <laughs> guns are shooting everyone's game. Like, and the second Building's half is exploding. the... Af- <laughs> Snipers and Gatling guns and yeah. bombs. Time crisis levels. Yes. Swap for all, all the video game references. Um, okay, so let's talk about specific moments. I'm going to start by saying this, right? In the overall context of the show, part of me felt initially a little disappointed that more use wasn't made of banana fish, the drug, as an erasing device. That's totally fair. However, I had a U-turn on this with something that happened in episode 24. So here's the thing, right? First off, I reckon you could probably replace banana fish, the drug, with anything. It could be a nuclear football attached to someone's wrists. 
and only that person can activate it through the phone, like the fingerprint scanner or whatever. You name it, it doesn't matter. Um, there's a scene in which um, Singh grabs the briefcase full of the banana fish data and is caught by Ash. Ash, by the way, at this point is injured, having believed he'd killed Colonel Fox, but hadn't. Um, I, I did find it funny, by the way, that Lisa, uh, he says to Blanca, oh yeah, you're the one who taught me to make sure they're dead. And I'm like, did he really? You seem to forget that. <laughs> That's minor. That's minor. Who cares? Um, so anyway, Ash has Singh's hand. And Singh, of course, has the briefcase in the other, and he says, look, just drop it. And Singh says, isn't this, like, important or something? He's like, no, just fucking drop it. And so Singh does, and there goes the evidence. Uh, this, by the way, does not stop the government people from getting convicted in the end, which I felt like might have helped a bit if that hadn't happened, but who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, but then Fox, having, you know, had a black and decker to his abdomen, decides, no, Jeez. I'm going to get up and be a prick again. <laughs> did, you, uh, and um, puts... <laughs> did you think about... Uh... Do you remember when, when so he, Ash has been stabbed in the shoulder, mm. and he's being forced down, and when, I know you love this movie, so I'm sure you thought when Ash, it shows his hand reaching for the tool, did you think of the Mask of the Phantasm part where Joker grabbed the sausage, mm. <laughs> where he's reaching for like, and like a sword is there, and a chainsaw, yeah. and a hammer, and he's reaching around, and it cuts back, and he hits him with the sausage. Yeah. It was oh, framed oh. exactly like that. <laughs> All, all the seat from uh, H Bomber Guy's uh, Soy Boy video yeah. is reaching for tools. And he pulls out the scripts instead. I'm going to beat you, Stephanie. Statistics. It's Such great. an homage to that Mask of the Phantasm scene. Uh, but um, anyway, Fox ends up getting behind Ash and puts the gun to his head. Um, I don't know why he doesn't just kill him there and then, but Fox has never struck me as particularly, you know, with it. I mean, let's see. How many brain cells does Fox have? Let's have a guess. One. Uh, two, uh, two. There we go. Two done. Anyway, um, he says, "Let the boy go," and Ash refuses. So here's the thing, right? We have these two moments, pretty much back to back. Let the briefcase go. Let Sing go. The obvious Ash mm-hmm. says, "Let the briefcase go," but he refuses in sense like Sing go to save his own life. Now, okay, you can make plenty of arguments here, like, oh, Fox would have killed him anyway. If you let him go, he'd just blown his brains out there and there. Fair enough. But here's what ties into my point about Banana Fish's relevance, the drug that is, in the writer's show. It's not relevant. It is the MacGuffin in which people fight over, Mm -hmm. the means of which one can control another. It is something you could replace, as I say, with anything. A nuclear football, priceless ruby, you fucking name it doesn't matter. But through this action, Ash asserts that the life of others is more valuable than his own. It's more valuable than the redemption that he would gain and the vindication he would gain through exposing Banana Fish through that briefcase. That doesn't matter. I've said before numerous times about the idea of Ash's two people, you know, the monster, the murderer, etc., the man who kills everyone, something that he self-describes even at the end of the episode, and the man we want him to be, the idealized Ash, you know, the one who cares about people, who will look out for them. And this is the most concrete step in the episode, or one of the most concrete steps, Tim confirming that he is the latter rather than the former. I don't care if I die. It might give Singh a chance to survive. You know, it might give him a, a chance to live. 
he blows my brains out, maybe Rick and Mortis will come in and I'll fucking grab him. Who can say? Who can say? But there's the contrast. Different, you know, <laughs> the difference is the data is irrelevant. Immaterial things don't matter. Vindication and redemption necessarily don't matter. But human life, the life of people I care about, is important, even at the expense of my own. I thought that was really fucking powerful. I I mean, Singler, after all, he was going to kill him later. And then Ash even says after the fact, why am I saving you now to kill you later? It don't make fucking sense. Wake up, dipshit. Direct quote, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, man. Whew. What a fucking scene. And a great climax as well. Blanker, of course, by the way, blows a fucking clean hole in um, Ox's head, which is great. Yeah, what a, what a shot. King. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he he lives up to. Uh, oh my god! Why can I not think of his name now? Fuck me! I love the wire. Why can't I think of the guy's name? I'm gonna look. I, I've never seen it. All right, I'm looking up the wire characters. What's his name? He's the best character. Omar. Omar coming. Omar Little. He uh, his motto, or one of the famous lines from that show, from him is. You come at the king, you best not miss. And Blanca is the epitome of that. He never misses. Never. So uh, Fox is hardly the king, but yeah, he got got. Peace. Goodbye, you piece of garbage. Useless character. Mm -hmm. Go away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess he was there to, like, facilitate this. I, I feel like the writer wanted a big action scene in the on a construction site with helicopters and grenades and military grade weaponry. So bring in bring in the mercs. <laughs> and that's that's why he's here. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Um do you have any thoughts on what I said about the um the meaning behind that all? Um Oh shoot. Um I think I might have been reading chat. Uh can you um repeat what you said? Okay. So Basically, to boil it down, Sing let's go with the briefcase when instructed. Oh, the briefcase is... Yeah. The briefcase is just a lavish day, and that's not doesn't matter. But actually, to won't let Sing go when he's cornered by Fox and says, you ain't got to let you live. And the point I was trying to make was that through this, Ash proves that it's not necessarily about revenge or redemption or vindication. Through having that evidence, it's the value of human life that genuinely matters to him despite any protests he might make to the contrary, that he is just nothing more than a rabid killer, you know, uh, he asserts otherwise, even at the expense of his own life. No, I, I am, I'm with you. I mean, I, I totally agree that, that, that the scene is saying that stuff, that it is the sort of almost a final test in a way for Ash and, what he has learned and what he's come to since meeting AG, you know, that, and he's had a chance to see a sort of mirror ish reflection of himself, like a foil in Yutlung, someone who was going all out for revenge at all costs. And that was the meaning of his life. And Ash has discovered meaning beyond that. Like Blanca said, he's learned to love. Uh, and so absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, this shows that 
Ash values life, friendship, companions, uh, and sees that that is what colors your life and gives it meaning and purpose much more so than like uh, settling a score would do. Yeah, bear that in mind for later. Turn because that's kind of that's kind of the binding thread for the last couple of episodes. Do we sell scores or do we not? Yeah. yeah. Why? Why? You know, can you ever truly escape cycles of violence and hatred and retribution as you see it? Well, <clears throat> okay. So other scenes that need to be talked about in twenty four. Let's talk about Luke Young and Sig. This is Luke Young's final destruction, but also his rebirth. And it's really telling to me that I mentioned before that Luke Young kept Sing around as kind of his own little parallel to what he thought Ash was doing with AJ, mm. keeping pet, mm-hmm. keeping someone he can control and manipulate, play the puppet master. But well, the puppet's now broken its strings and is telling the master yeah. the real yeah. truth of the matter. And I found this really interesting that. Luke Young was, in a way that wasn't the case of Ash, but like Singh says, you have the Lee blood in you, but that doesn't mean you're defined by it. Doesn't mean you know you have to be the same way. In in a kind of really fascinating way, Luke Young was seeking vengeance on his brothers for what they did, but at the same time was engaging in the very kind of activity they were doing. Yeah, there he was... hated what they did, but he was doing the very same thing, and, and he knew it. I mean, I think that that it, didn't yeah. escape him, and so there was so yeah. much self loathing there. Like, all throughout. And, I mean, at the end, he's just wallowing in it. I mean, he's a fucking Mm. sloppy drunk, doing shit, nothing. Like, just baking in his own self-hatred. Like, it's so sad, like, what he's come to. He's very pitiful. Yeah, exactly. And I found it really interesting that he basically hated the Lees, but still identified as one because of how he was acting. And as I mentioned in a previous episode with the whole, you know staring to the abyss but you blink kind of thing he didn't learn that lesson that Ash did yeah. like, that's the theme of a lot of the characters in this episode at least of, as far as the second half goes which is they come to conclusions about this journey of who we are can we change to be better can we you know escape the violence that's defined our lives you know this whole thing that's gone out of control since Ash found that one guy in the back alley all those many episodes ago, can we get out of that? And a lot of the characters come to the conclusion that they can just in their own way, and it's not immediate for some of them. I mean, Lou Young certainly is not a reformed, you know, happy, smiley guy by the end of this, but we can see the start of his journey. Which I... I yeah. his phases. I'm so end, happy. You know? I'm so happy that it wasn't some kind of, like, mm. like, total about-face or, like, super rebirth. Like, the, the mm. end of Yutlung in the story is so messy. I love that they didn't tie it up very tidy. No, I'm glad for that too. Singh came in and was like, you know, you're still a piece of shit. I don't hate you. I can't bring myself to hate you because I'm a different person than you. Yeah. That doesn't mean I can't, I can't forgive you for some shit that you did. Uh, but guess what? It's your job to try to fix it. And, Mm you got to get your shit together and you got to do it. I'm going to help you do it. Um, and you know, look, you hate your brothers. Can't you just put an end to this chapter in your life? 
You've mm-hmm. you've more than avenged your mother. It's time to move on. And it all sounds like he's trying to make it very like neat and tidy, but like the way it plays out and the way Yutlung is resisting, uh, I think emotionally, because I feel like he doesn't want to let go of it. I don't know. I just this doesn't feel like a this does not feel like a like a happy storybook like ending for him. It doesn't feel like well. Like you said, I'm reformed and redeemed now. Uh, it just feels like he's being yanked to the next phase of his life, which yeah. will be difficult. <laughs> yeah. The the road ahead for him is long, but he's made the first step. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad we don't see the later steps because we can at least imagine doing it. Sometimes not clearly defining a character's ending in a story is better because it opens our imagination to fill in the blanks and we can then... You know, even just the possibility of him being a better person is in itself a good thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. A satisfying element to a story. I mean, I've spoken before about the idea of what's called endless endings. If you've played Persona 4 Golden, which I think we've discussed this year, mm-hmm. uh, the endings change so that it doesn't feel more final, but more open-ended to the fact that there will always be more experiences going on. And in Yu Lung's case, we can see him now U-turning. He's going back on himself, and he's going back towards the you know the point where he can be a regular happy person again. Who actually can interact like that? I mean, Singh tasks him with actually binding Chinatown together rather mm-hmm. than having to. Ah, it's not just about him as well. He has to lead by example. Yeah. So, and I, and I think that this was a, a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think this was a really fitting and solid ending for him. I'm glad he didn't die in the end. I mean, I've I totally am too, seen that happening. Because you, I think people could argue, like, it's not fair. Mm. Ash died and Yutlung didn't. They're both scummy killers. Like, why didn't, why didn't Yutlung, you know, uh, face, face the music? Uh, mm. and, no, I agree. Yeah, but, but like, but he hasn't been saved yet. I mean, it's taken all Blanca and Singh could do just to get him to turn around. Like, he's still but got that said, so much to work on. Yeah, to... but that said, prior to the end of this uh, his final scene in this episode of the show, I would have never bought the possibility he could be safe. Yeah. Now I can. Mm-hmm. He's and that redeemable. Is, yeah. That's enough. That's enough. That's great. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to need to take a yep. break. break Me folks. too. I need to make a quick <laughs> break. We'll be back momentarily. Don't adjust your internet browsers.
All right, welcome back, folks. We're back. Um, yep, thank you very much for the uh, patience there while I just took a brief bio break. Yeah. All right. Just to, so, well, to finish something about you, Lung, though, I was I just thought of, um, you know, you, you talked about you didn't necessarily think you'd be like redeemable. Like, I felt. I, I mean, I I don't disagree with that at all. Um, but at the same time, I think why it makes sense that you could have one moment in an episode make you think redemption is possible for him is because. You could see from the beginning that you could always see that there was just this part of him that wanted to be loved and accepted and wanted mm-hmm. yeah, better, <laughs> wanted something more than just like mm-hmm. the hate. And so I think because that was always there, there was always that possibility. So, um, yeah, but they really pulled it off. They really nailed it with him uh, for sure. Yeah, um, a very satisfying conclusion for that character. Um, in fact, and this will be important in a minute, because um, I have a theory about the ending and Ash's role in it, but everyone gets a satisfying much, maybe with the exception of AJ and Ash, I suppose. But then again, by his own, I would argue by his own criteria, Ash was satisfied. That's, but we'll get side a bit. But I mean, it was mentioned before, Max and Jessica... And the fact that did, she did not say yes on screen, I was like, come on. <laughs> Two seconds. Two fucking seconds. It's all I am. Just for us to say yes. You know we she said that. yes. You know she Oh, did. of course. Of course. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Max and Jessica awesome. get back together. Yeah. And even though I felt like it might have downplayed Ash's choice to let Banana Fish the day so can, the briefcase burn, that the senators were like being arrested and investigated. There was still that USB um, I, drive, right? Well, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm okay with that because that still means that, you know, there is an outcome of it. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. for nothing. Yeah. Um, Sing is better off as a result. Yu Lung is better off as a result. All of the people in the uh, mental asylum, Ash's friends, whose names I forget because I'm terrible, uh, they all live. Um, everyone lives. Everyone lives. And it's a new dawn for them, which is good. So, bear this in mind as we get into discussing the final five minutes of this episode. And I'm just going to say here right now, why do I get the responsibility of dealing with the final episodes? I've done that twice now, and they've always been fucking painful for different reasons. This one's painful and good. All right, so to sum up, Ash makes the decision not to see Eiji before he leaves for Japan. And in some way, I admire and respect that because... I understand where he's coming from. Like, he doesn't want to, you know, poison the well, so to speak, or, you know, distract him from going back home. I get that. I still would, of course, wipe them to see each other one last time. But that's me speaking as an audience member, not to the reality that, you know, that would have made things more difficult for them. I mean, like I said, Magnus. So, <clears throat> what happens is that through. Um, the Snaggletooth friend, Ash gets a hold of a letter from AJ, and it's a letter that also contains a plane ticket with his full name on it. As I'm Callum Reese, I forget the rest of it, but the re- there's a very good reason I brought up Aslan there. Put that in the back of your mind for in a minute. Um, Ash, reading the letter in which AJ says, I was never afraid of you. I was never scared of you. 
like he confesses like how strongly he felt about it. And I'll save the key line from the end of it for later, but mm. it's a powerful letter. It's yeah. a letter from the heart. The direction is so I, awesome. Like we I love I love the, the fact I love the fact we see the letter, the actual letter read out like we get to see the words they feel like they have an objective tangible quality to them. Mm-hmm. Cuz the thing is right like letters I I have spoken before like about the idea of physical media and physical things we own having meaning to us personal meaning to us like you know if you hold something in your hand it's real. I mean you might see it up there. I've got a couple of um, anime figures up there from shows that I'm really fond of because they have sentimental value to me. They remind me of what those shows meant. Uh, I've got Cheryl and Rankin on drives down here. This letter follows the same kind of arc, you know. Arc, no, sorry. The same kind of idea. Mm-hmm. It's a very real set of words in front of him. And that says to him, okay, no, I made a mistake. I need to go and meet him. So Ash sets off. Because he got and... the ticket. <laughs> yeah, he got the ticket. He got the ticket on the plane to Japan. The thing that they mentioned before. I mean, here's the thing, right? Ash yeah. mentions in the episode, I'm sending him back to his world. But that being said, though, he never thought of the possibility of going with him to his world. You know? Yeah. Exactly. He could have gone there with him, and he didn't think of that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess he always sort of saw it as, even when they were teaching each other words, as, uh, you know, as... Uh, I wish I'd never teach you sight. Oh my god, that fucking line. <laughs> I know. I guess I wish he sort I'd of never t- always saw it as idealistic fantasy. Maybe to him, like, you know, it's nice. It's a nice thing to dream about. Like, oh, here's what we'll yeah. do when we win the lottery kind of thing, you know? It's yeah. nice to dream about, but it'll never happen. So it's not a real... But yeah, I guess, like, once he sees that, and once he hears the last couple of lines of the letter, which are fucking killers... uh. <laughs> he's like you know what like this is real like i was saying at the beginning of the stream like uh, i had a plan logically thought but like i don't care anymore i just want to i just need, need to go abandon yeah. abandon the plan yeah no i hear you on that so unfortunately as ash is walking uh running even he is intercepted and it's lao and lao stabs him basically in the stomach and Funnily enough, how many times in the recent episodes has it been mentioned that AG is Ash's weak spot and leaves him vulnerable? Even when he's not there, that is true now. Reading that letter takes his guard down. And if you think that his guard wasn't was down already, he fucking kills Lau there and then with a gun he had with him. His guard was up. He was ready for it. But that letter, like, Lau could not have picked inadvertently a better time for it. And... Okay, one second. <laughs> yeah, like, like. I need another. I need another. Do you, All right. Do you think um, it was? Do you think it was merely like his guard being let down, or do you think just for like the briefest of moments that he really was finally spiritually taken to Japan, taken out of the America, taken out of the world of violence? I am of the opinion that happened later. And he came back down to, you know, Earth once, you know, he had to defend himself. But, like, because old old Ash, I mean, it's not, 
could he even let his guard down, Shadon? I mean, was he even able to? I feel like well, there, well, we we know that for a fact by like of aging and shot. It was always that happened up. because he like uh, like characters have literally say that literally that happened when AJ got shot. Yute Lung says it. He's his most vulnerable when he's with him. I he's know, not even with I, him, right? Right. But, but the reading the letter caused him to set off. He'd well, have seen Lau coming he, a mile off. I guess it depends on how you define vulnerability, too, right? Like, I mean, like. I mean, clearly there's a very obvious sense in which you can take it, right? Like, he's vulnerable, he gets stabbed in the stomach, physically vulnerable. He's distracted. Distracted. But like, you know, there's a line that AG says in the letter, like, no matter, you were always stronger, you were always faster, always better physically than me and more capable, but I still always felt I had to protect you. And I think... Well, he wasn't protecting was him physically, he was protecting his soul. That, I know, spirit, yes, right? Exactly. So, like, there was this, there's another kind of vulnerability in which when Ash and AG were together, Ash was no longer vulnerable. Like, because he, he wasn't vulnerable to, like, spiraling into his own despair. Hmm. You know, and so yeah, no, no, oh yeah, yeah. So I think in no, that uh, sense, Yutlung is wrong. <laughs> no, well, no, I, I agree because Yutlung only sees it in terms of physical vulnerability, of which that is true, and it's true at the end of the of the show either. So anyway, um, Ash kills Lau, but he is bleeding out; he is dying. Um, you could make the arguments, you know, that, oh, well, he got stabbed in the shoulder, he's been shot before, how can he be dying now as opposed to the time? Has his plot armor been left at home? What the fuck's going on? But I don't care about that, because I, yeah. I think, to me, that he is definitely going. He's ready to and go. Maybe, and he maybe, doesn't go to the hospital. Yeah, that, well, that's it. <laughs> maybe he's ready to go. That's the question. He can go off into that long good night and can be happy about it. Yeah, so I mean, it's... He, he, yeah. he, he wanted to go be with AG and that was taken from him hmm. even the smallest teensiest little possibility was taken by Lau and I mean I think he knows at that point like fucking fuck like this world is going to follow me and going to hunt me everywhere I really hmm. I'm not going to get to see AG again and if I did I would just bring all this bullshit with me hmm so I think yes, he's. I think he's ready. I mean, I think he's ready. I think he's been saved. I think he's he's loved and been loved in return. And I think rather than bring more suffering to other people, or or survive, get tempted, and go see Eiji. And oh wait, a sleeper agent pops up in Japan that had revenge. You know. Wants to get revenge on Ash and choose it like, no, forego all that. Like it, my time, my time is now. Uh, I think well, here's so. the here's the thing, right? After Ash is stabbed, he goes to the library. He goes to the library to read the remainder of Ag's letter, which was mentioned earlier in this very episode because Ag says that's where it'll be. And you know what? I've spoken before about the. The thing that we say about, you know, seeing the real Ash Links, the regular Ash Links. I can't, and to me, I can't think of a better place that we've seen the regular Ash Links than in that library. I mean, I've joked before 
about you know the fact they make too much of a big deal about his intellect. But let's not get us, let's not get this wrong here. He is an intellectual. He is at his best when he's thinking things through, and that's why he's in the library. He's at peace there. He can read. He can learn. He can study. And that to me feels like I've heard like stories of like animals like going to a place to die. Like they have a place they go to. This is all very anecdotal, by the mm. so I can't I can't speak specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. to the animal. I no, think I of, like this. I, I know that I know that being a thing, mm-hmm. and I think maybe that was the idea because Ag said that he, you know, I don't think you're a leopard. By the way, just as a segue, I think Ash is a leopard. But I'm going to tell you something. What's the one <laughs> frame or meta? Yeah, you know. Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's probably he was what he realized. That's yeah, probably he what he the realized there when Lau stabbed him. Yeah, he was the leopard who shed his spots in the end. The one that could. The one that did. Oh, do you, so you think he did. I was going to say that he real, that he maybe thought he couldn't. No, I would, I would say that he could. It's just that it was outside force that stops him. I'll get to this in a minute when we talk about yeah, the idea no, of I agree. perpetual I actually, violence. Yeah, I actually agree. I mean, I think he himself was, was changed and saved, but... Yeah. Physically and so, circumstantially, he's still part of that world and he can't escape it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this plays into what happens next. So Ash reads the remainder of the letter, but his blood is now spilling onto the letter. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like, there's there's your image right there. Well, the cold hard truth of the fact that AG as a concept, as a person who leaves behind this message for him, even then that is tainted with the blood of others or, blood, or his own blood. Well, also... Of violence. Here's a, here's a different... Yeah, I mean, that's good. But here's a different metaphor for you. What's more flattering mm-hmm. more flattering to Ash. Uh, so we've talked about all of Ash's glorious qualities. And we talked about him being saved in the end. Um, so Ash not only bled on the letter, he cried onto it. Well, that's it. That's that I was going to get to that, yeah. Like, do, do you rec- so when Christ? Well, I don't know if you were familiar with this part of the crucifixion well, story about, about Christ. <laughs> he was, he on, was uh, well, so so he was, uh, you know, crucified and he's hanging there, and he hasn't died. Uh, it takes him a long time to die. Actually, no, I think it happens right after he dies. Uh, he was stabbed in the side. Uh, a centurion stabs him with a sword in the side, and it's a, the blood and water that came was, flowing out in equal measure. And that was so, Longinus, if I remember correctly. Uh, could, could be, be right. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. A la- a, mm. The lance, okay. Yeah. So, um, mm. uh, so yeah, blood and water came out. And that's just what I thought of when you had drops of blood and you're, drops of you're water. Right. You're right. You're entirely right. But that's the thing, though. The blood was what fell on the page first, but it was his tears that fell last. It was the violence... Lau's violence specifically, because it wasn't Ash seeking the fight. Let's be clear here. Um, it was it Lau's was violence. Con- that well, led him here. It is a consequence, though. Of a, ultimately, you could say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was Lau's violence that led him here, mm-hmm. and it's Lau's violence that stains the page of that letter. Mm-hmm. But the the closing moment of that is his tears, his emotions, and I think that actually, even if you want to read really hard this, that's a metaphor for him as a character. Yeah. Starting from violence, ending as a as a living, caring person. But it even goes beyond that. So Takes there, to love. <laughs> believe, believe it or not, 
I think there are two literary references here that are still in like relevant. Well, here's the thing: Mirrors just dropped it. Aslan in the first Lion Witch in the Wardrobe book, mm-hmm. the, the you know, Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan was a very strong, if not outright, Jesus metaphor who very died much. on the stone table mm-hmm. so that others may live. Yeah, and is that not literally what's happening here with Ash? I very much he's think died. So. Yeah. So that others can live. So it's, that the conflict is over. I must say, it's very ballsy. It is fucking ballsy for a writer to mm. be like, you know who my Christ figure is going to be? A killer. <laughs> a fucking murderous uh, killing machine. <laughs> but but then again, isn't, isn't even religion, you know, Christianity of the opinion that even the most depraved can still become back and become pious yeah. men? Yeah, definitely. There you go. Definitely. But like... Uh, but I would say that Jesus, you know, when you're talking about Christ, mm-hmm. like for the whole thing to work, Christ has to be entirely like pure and blameless, <laughs> uh, for the, for the religion to work, for him to work as the ultimate sacrifice that actually does mm. like save people. Um, but like, but but it doesn't. Like Christ figures are never perfect. These are always analogies, and when you're mm-hmm. writing human characters, they can't be pure like that. You know what I mean? So like, I just think it's ballsy to go all the way in the other direction and be like, you know, let's make it a real sinner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have been more egregious to be someone like Dino. Then you just be like, okay, this is some bullshit. <laughs> but yeah, I hear you on that. But, yeah. Um. The final thing I'll mention, I'm sure I've brought this up before, but... He's basically everybody from the Bible. (laughs) Well, you know. Oh, my God. You know. So here's the thing, right? Ash is later found by a librarian laying over the letter, and she thinks he's sleeping. He doesn't respond, and she she says, oh, it must be a nice dream, and then she's called away. And that's the episode. That's it. That's the end. No, not even the episode. That's the series. That's the no it ends on. And do you want to know what this reminded me of? And I, I, given the pedigree of the literature, the and the time period of the literature that is referenced throughout the episode tiles, I feel this must have been deliberate. Hmm. I mean, we got farewell swarms reference from fucking Blanco. I was like, wow, that's on the nose. Nice one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mind that. Yeah. By the way, that's actually fine. Um, of mice and men. If you if you're English like me, I'm mean, even probably if you're American, I imagine you may very well have studied this as a text in high school. We read, I did. We read like multiple John, John Steinbeck books in high school. We read yeah. um, Of Mice and Men. We read The Grapes of Wrath. We read uh, The Red Pony, which I despised mm. as a child. I did not understand, uh, mm. you know, metaphor and allegory. <laughs> I was just like, why is the goddamn story about the pony and then you kill the pony? Fuck you, John Steinbeck. <laughs> well, so. For those of you who might not know, um, in Of Mice and Men, you have two main characters, George and Lenny, who are partners who work on a farm. And due to events, uh, Lenny is marked for a lynch mob. George reluctantly joins said lynch mob, but finds Lenny first. And they have had a long-standing dream going and owning a farm together in which Lenny recites in very specific details which animals they will own. And so George says to Lenny, can you recite to me, can you tell me what the dream was again? Tell me about the animals, tell me in the exhaustive detail. And this is while Lenny is looking ahead to a sunset, Mm -hmm. and George is behind him. 
And that's when George pulls the gun out and shoots him dead. Now, here's the thing. In the book, Lenny's death was inevitable, I would argue. Yeah. He he was not... I mean, he was... I'm trying to think of the nice way to put it. He was mentally challenged. Like, he... He, he definitely had a lot of uh, mental yeah, health problems was, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he was, he was a five-year-old child in a incredibly strong grown-up's body. Yeah. And there was, he would there not, was not no, was, yeah, that time and that setting was not equipped to care for his needs in any way. No. And because of the events, which I won't get to see some, so we'll be, we'll be here for longer than we need to about, but because of the events, he'd have ended up finding his way back to civilization, thinks he's done nothing wrong, which to be fair, he hadn't, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, okay, yeah, he did, but like uh, again, I don't want to get tied up in the minutiae of this. But he would have found his way back, and he would have been killed, and he probably would have been drawn and quartered. The Maori's endless state. Who fucking knows? Hangman noose. You name it. George killing him is mercy, but it's mercy through the idea of letting him go out on a high note, on a high note of a promise of a future that awaits him. And maybe, you know, if heaven is real, that what future indeed was waiting for him in heaven. Mm-hmm. And this really, really reminded me of that because Ash goes out reading Aegis letters saying, I'll be, no matter where you will be, I'll be waiting for you. And that's the thing. I think that to me, that line is not just a question of the world as we know it. Japan, New York, yeah. Caribbean, where mm-hmm. I'm Chris. It is a spiritual thing. Well, it is to say, you know, I'll be waiting for you in heaven if need be. And the fact that he is indeed smiling at the end and confident, like that promise alone was enough to know that there was someone waiting for him, someone who truly cared and liked him for who he was. And holy fucking shit, what an incredible way to send off the show. Mm-hmm. I... I mean, I'm even tearing up now thinking about it. Like, yeah, I, I feel so sad that we didn't get the ride off into the sunset that I feel they should have had to see these two boys, these two guys, just living their lives together in each other's company. Didn't even need to be anything like you know sexual or intimate. I didn't need. If I know, I mean, I could have, we could <laughs> have had, this, we could have had, we yeah. could have had the scene. Yeah. We could have had the scene. I could see it in my head, so crystal clear, of the two of them waking up in bed next to each other, and the sun rises and casts across their faces the literal new dawn. Mm-hmm. I could have fucking seen that and believed it. But even then, I'd have been happy with just them simply having a fucking coffee together six months afterwards. But we don't even get that. I hate this for denying us that. Yeah. But I do not hate its intent. Or it's narrative quality. No, yeah. This is entirely intentional. Like, you mentioned Phantom before, and I would argue that the writers of Phantom, or at least the writers of the adaptation, never mind the Euro Butcher, uh, you know, the Euro Butcher as he is, um, never mind him. To me, like, I think they were intending the same effect. They wanted... They wanted people to feel for Reiji and I what I felt for Ash and AJ, in that I wanted to see these two go onwards into the future, however long that might be. Yeah. 
but they completely and utterly shat the bed on that one. Well, that was whereas here didn't Yosuke Kuroda say like he wanted to deliver this message of crime, like there being consequences. Not me. But like, except for the character who didn't get consequences for it, because Yosuke Kuroda doesn't know his fucking pencil from his ass end. Also, like these people were kidnapped and brainwashed and forced to do it. I mean. I, I just, I hate it. I hate everything yeah. about it. Well, anyway, like... let, let's anyway let's move away from Phantom. Yes. So, here's the thing, Rob. I, like, here's, like, okay, let's let's roll this back. There's a word that is in the, it's the name of the, t- of the actual song that sends the second OP, you know, uh, of this show, and it's Freedom. And I cannot think of a more poignant moment in which Ash truly was free. Whoa. Than that. Sorry. Whoa. I had to do it. I had to <laughs> you know, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and here's the thing, though, as well. Like, we've been speaking about Ash, but let's talk about AJ. Okay, right on cue. Trick- Trickster in chat says there's no real resolution yeah. to AJ's character. I No, I think this is fine. I'll explain why. AJ goes back to Japan. And he doesn't hear from Ash again. And that's that's awful. Let's not get that wrong. But much like how George went away, sorry, Lenny went away, you know, died with that promise on his mind. For AG, never hearing about Ash again leaves open possibility of a future with him. Now, you could very well argue that's still awful because it's a lie. It's a fiction, falsehood, something he's denied. But I will argue that in some cases... A fantasy canon of itself, you know, give you the freedom to go on. Like, even if he learned that he was dead, Eiji still has Ash's example, his memories, the time he spent with him as things propel him forward. Trickster says you're copping out that only the show exists. Uh... Well, no, well, this is the thing, though. Like, the, when the show ends on an ending like this, where it doesn't even actively, conclusively confirm Ash is dead, we can speculate. I don't mind the speculation on the point of an ending. And I I mean, this is my reading of it, but I think that the overall, the message of the show at this particular point is we only got so many episodes with these characters. And in turn, they only got so many hours and so many days of each other before they were separated by face itself. And he missed the chats where you said that you don't think that like that he intentionally doesn't have much of an arc or a character and that's okay to you. No. Yeah, it is. So I think that on a meta level, it's like telling us, you know what, enjoy the time you had with it because there's only so much of it. There's only so much for any of us, but in turn, there's always so much fit for Ash and AJ and yeah, there's came to approach your end, but we still have all those moments we can look back on, like them goofing around, you know, playing the big bro acts of, you know, when they were having the morning, like, where he was, like, you know, getting Ash ready for and he was reading the fucking newspaper. Mm-hmm. Or even teaching, like, teaching how to shoot. So, like... So... Okay, so... I mean, as far as Asia goes, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you... You have to say that he's been forever affected and changed by all this. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't. By well, no well, means do well, I think he goes why, back that, to Japan the same as well, he came. Well, that's why. Well, that's why we have the metaphor of him going back in a wheelchair. Mm. Like he will, of course, probably get out of said wheelchair eventually. 
but he's not going back there uninjured. And by the way, he's coming back he's, so you know, strong and emotionally. Like by he's the gonna way, be able to um, overcome his like athletic block or whatever. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I have to say, like, quick shout out to Emily Rand if you're listening. I want you to drop me a DM once you see Age's bouquet of flowers. Oh I know, yeah. I know you're the flower lady. Oh yeah. I know you know your shit about it. So tell me what those oh, mean. Please, Emily. Shout out. Can I can I talk about Ash though? I mean Yeah. Real quick. Cause uh I mean the way you spoke so beautifully, Shadon, about this and I, I don't I Not bad for, not bad for being three tins, is <laughs> it? I mean I thank the three tins for for uh leveling you you know what already your amazing brain up so that you could i mean that was just so wonderfully put um three tens or no i mean you crushed it uh i guess i just wanted to say like that people who people who have an issue with ashes was ending um and i think everyone would really very much like to see him living with ag and having oh yeah you know what i mean like like you said, the sunset stuff. But, uh, but boy, I mean, if you, if you believe in that promise that AG said to Ash, like if you, if you give that emotional weight and validity, the fact that he'll always be waiting for him, I mean, that promise transcends years and space and time it transcends everything and just like i think that their bond transcends and the the memories that they will have and so i think it whether or not you believe in the afterlife let's say you do the promise like you said transcends time and space and so they will meet again they will wait for each other they will see each other again if you don't then what more do we have in life than to experience those moments with other people that transcend the present? Like, that's kind of what you're living for, isn't it? Is to have those transcendent experiences and to to create those bonds and create these sort of like, I get Kierkegaard talks about like eternity in the present. Right, these moments that are eternal, at least in your own yeah. mind, that like transcend your whole life. Hmm. And Ash got that. I he got that. And yeah. he was able to be like the, the kind heart of AG really did, I think, even if it was just briefly. That's fine. Briefly is enough. Like at least it happened. Pull, pull, yeah, I mean, it pulled him out of despair. He was going to sink into, if not already sinking into, and I think it sort of wrenched his heart out of that cycle of violence. If not his cir- physical circumstances, I think this is what mm. you're going to talk about. Next, and yeah, the, exactly. In of unavoidable cycle here. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? I mentioned about the characters finding their own way out, but Lao doesn't in the end. And that to me is the final message that 
you could take away so much by being consumed by it. I mean, this is a thing that even crosses generations as it happened with Luke Young's family. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even with Ash, like, you know, his father, while not a violent man in himself or a criminal, still left behind that message to him that it was okay for him to just, you know, take it from these people as long as he was paid for it. I, man, like, it's such a shame. Like, it, it's so bitter to think about how Ash was there and he'd got past that point and then someone else took it from him because they had not. And while Ash does indeed defend himself and kill Bao at that point, I'm still of the opinion that he hadn't strayed from his ultimate resolution, his ultimate realization that he could be beyond that. I don't, I mean, for him, I think I suppose at the end of the day, like if Lau had then been allowed to live, he probably would have killed him there and then by stabbing him again and again and again until he was dead. But he had finished the lair. Seeing that through and getting the whole of Eiji's final message was more important than ultimately letting that happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's not quite as unambiguous as, you know, violence is never the solution. But rather, I think that force and action in favor of being able to connect with people is important. And I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it's rare to me that we get an ending like this in which I'm so, I'm so angry and so (laughs) mad and so bitter and so saddened by what happens while the character who, after all that he had suffered through, ultimately does not get the, you know, truly magnificent future he deserves. But I do think that he at least got, in part, a truly brilliant present through the presence of another person mm-hmm. who genuinely cared about him. And because of all the other characters we see, while Ash doesn't get the future that he deserves, we do have Max and Jessica reaffirming themselves mm-hmm. as a couple. We have Singh convincing you long to take that step on a path to redemption. We have Eiji, who, even though he can't be with Ash anymore, he's not poisoned by this experience. He's still the person he was at the beginning. He's never wavered away from that. As much as he says that Ash was always strong and powerful, that applies equally to him. I so agree. I so agree. That's how we could protect him. Because he was yeah. strong in here, in the heart, in the mind, where where Ash had been broken by life. Eiji could yeah. like take those parts of him and hold them up. Um, mm. And, uh, gosh. Ah, I, I have nothing else to add. I'm done. That's it. Like, oh boy. You said something I want to respond to, but I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, well, this, yeah, the ending, it, it, it was, oh no, we've lost Shadon. Uh, and now my screen is, uh, halfsies. Oh, is he coming back? There he is. He's back. Can you hear me? Apologies for that. I just had to answer something. I'm still here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do we need to? Do we need to pause? Or no. Anything? No. We're good. We're good. Okay. Carry cool, on. Cool. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, minor hiccup. So, um, 
Uh, I mean, gosh. I mean, in a way... <laughs> yeah, I mean, we feel all these things about the ending because it's just fucking so... I don't know. To me, it just felt so authentic. I think if we would have gotten that, like, the heavy, um, happy... Not heavy. The the fluffy, the ending where they get to be together and everything. I might have come away from the show feeling a bit hollow. But... Well, this thing, be careful what you wish for. This, <laughs> this felt so fucking real and grounded and spiritual and redemptive. Uh, because you talked about the ending Ash deserved. I think this is the ending Ash deserved. I mean, I don't, like, in some ways. Because while he was saved and was a lot more fortunate than a lot of the people involved in that life because he was able to have connection and be saved through it. I mean, the dude took a lot of human life willfully. And, I mean, I guess, you know, we could argue about, like, his culpability because of, you know, him being forced into it at an early age and all the abuse and trauma that he's been through. But I don't know, man. I'm not sure. Like, to me, it did, you always felt this life was going to catch up with him. Right? I mean, that he couldn't be Invincible Superman forever and avoid all the bullets. It was gonna... It had to happen. I mean, that's just... this li- That life swallows up everyone right. at some point. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, not everyone though, because the other characters, of course, continue on. But 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 it's gonna it's gonna take Sing and it's gonna take Yutlung. I mean, I guess unless they completely go legitimate and and such like that. But you wouldn't be surprised if it still did. I don't know. Mm. Um, Sing 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 has I don't know. Sing probably you know has. I don't know, man. He's killed a lot some some cops and security guards with his fucking piano wire. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I it's who can say as as you say, but um, but but yeah. Uh, okay. Whew. Um. My okay. Uh. Bleep anime says uh, Blanca has killed far more people. Why does he get to leave free? Uh, is he the uh, is he the guy in the hot tub swirling the glass from Fanta? The one who gets away. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I don't know. I guess life is not fair. <laughs> That's what I to put it. But uh, but also, I mean, um, I think I don't know. Maybe Blanca. Uh, well. It, don't know. I mean, it would be a cop out, I guess, for me to say Blanca will get his one day. Um, well, yeah. this is why I this ties back to the complaint I had that I wish that Blanca as a character had been more fully involved from earlier on and there'd been more meat on the bones of his, you know, earlier yeah. involvement with Ash training him and being. I mean, let's be honest, he was complicit in letting those awful things happen to him. There's no way around that as far as I'm concerned. And that is something that I'm fine with if it's addressed within the narrative, which it was not. At least not in the terms that I felt complex. Yeah. I mean, you did discuss it before. So that's fine. That's Blanc- fine. Yeah, Blanca yeah. is totally like, I mean, there's so many problematic things structurally about him in the story. Um, mm. 
I guess, I mean, he's already in some ways, like, you know, the government, when he went to Crimea, they killed his wife, you know, his only, his, his only love in the world that taught him to love. And I mean, that was a certain, in, in a certain way, that was a death for him right there. But he's, he's grown to love Ash and through Ash, I think he was able to, to write some things in some ways in his life. But, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. Blanca, I'd have to think about it some more. He certainly doesn't fit perfectly squarely into it. Um, no, exactly. But like I say, I mean, um, you, you long and you know, I, I don't know. And, and who's to say it won't come for Blanca one day. It's the same, like we said for you long and sing. So um, it's a good point though. Bleep anime. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to totally think about it. Um, for sure. Think about right. how it, how it fits. Um, and I'm not saying Blanca didn't re- retain some measure of redemption. Right. Um, Cause I, I mean, I think redemption is not, doesn't save you. Right. Um, Cause you know, Ash was redeemed and, and he, he died. So, so yeah. Anyway. Um, Shall we talk about the show now in full, the whole series of what we felt it. All right. So I'm not going to pretend that didn't have a problem with the show. Um, but, uh, for people who are not familiar with it, I have kind of two kinds of criticism, one of which is what we got was bad, and what we got was insufficient, and I wanted more of the same. Think of it like being having a meal, where you can either have a meal in which you choke on it, or you throw it up afterwards because it was disgusting and terrible, and you hate every second of it. Or you can have a meal where the portion size was small, but you really liked it, you found it delicious, you wanted more of it. For me the vast majority of the criticism I could level at Banana Fish is of the lesser category. I want more. I want to see more efficient use of the time, particularly. I mean, even as someone who's never read the manga, I can see a mile off that this had problems in squeezing in the material. And I don't think they were entirely, you know, on point with exercising adaptational authority, like by cutting, trimming, or even adding as necessary in order to improve on the existing material. Um, there was also, of course, that really annoying and stupid anti-Semitic crappy joke from you, oh. which I have to mention, because it's the one genuine black mark on the show. I the forgot one. about that. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The Jewish However, conspiracy stuff. Right. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. So, there's that. But, all told, this show was... It was a genuinely compelling crime conspiracy. It was a genuinely heartwarming and heart-wrenching tale of two people trying to find each other amongst that. These two elements wove together really well. I... I... It was... Well, okay. To speak simply to the fact of the stream of thoughts we've done previously. This easily is better than Mojunkey, and it's um, light years away from Frank. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the best shows I've seen all year. It is not quite, unfortunately, up to Devilman Crybaby level, in my opinion. But it is close. Ooh. It is damn fucking close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, boy. I need to get farther away from this before I think about how yeah. it stacks up. My initial... My initial response is to say that it it doesn't, but it doesn't stack up. But I have to think about it some more because I well, I love I... the shit out of Devil Man. Yeah, 
Can I add one more thing, by the way? Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, though. Like, we've done this stream before now. We've done it week on week. Mm-hmm. And this format brings with some unique opportunities and things that we wouldn't get otherwise if we weren't engaged with a live audience week on week. Things I'm really, really grateful for. And this show made me remind myself, or people around people reminded me of the fact that shows can be, and fiction can be many different things to many different people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've approached this show academically because I've not been through the experiences that characters have in there. I've certainly not been involved in crime drama, and I've certainly not been, Are you, you know, sure? <laughs> fairly confident. Manchester's a pretty wild and woolly city. <laughs> I've gone away with it. I've, I've dodged those bullets, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, but the point I was trying to make was I've approached academically, and I've said before like about the fact that how it handles rape and all that, mm-hmm. but people then have responded, look, you can say that, but I've actually been the victim of various amounts of abuse over my lifetime, and this show vindicates me and makes me feel seen. And the fact that I was reminded of that fact, that it is many different things made for people, and it gives people life and energy to be reminded, you know, they are seen and understood by fiction, even, you know, that's a whole different le- a whole different ball game that I kind of forgot about when I was looking at shows like this. Uh, it made me reevaluate how I look at things and appreciate them more for the fact that okay, it'll never truly, absolutely speak to me. But, but the fact that it does for so many others, not only first off that makes the show even better in my opinion. But secondly, I'm glad that I even watched the show in the first place because the fact it reminded me of that. And that wouldn't have been possible if we had not been watching it week on week in the format we've been doing. And I have to thank so much the people who've been in the audience week on week who have been willing to share these experiences that they've had with us. I mean, that's a big deal. I can't yes. trivialize that. I can't undersell that, how much that means and how humbled I am that people have been willing to share their own experiences and how it relates to them in this show so that i as someone who's not been through that can be better understand how meaningful this work can be to people and that's why banana fish has over devil man crybaby at least in terms of 2018 anime the fact that it did see people like that they gave people the comfort and the understanding that they were you know valued and vindicated in how it vilified those kind of those people like Golzi and all that who had done those awful things and that it was right to support someone who was fighting back against them for not only just the simple acts of being free from those people but for being whole again for being a whole and you know complete person that was really powerful to me and that's why even though I don't think it's the best show I've seen this year I would argue absolutely it's one of the most important shows I've seen this year and I will say as well the reason we came into Banana Fish first was because, partly because of Frank's, we wanted to watch a show. We wanted the only good thing a... it's done, it's been yeah. partially responsible for. Yeah, we we wanted a show that had, you know, a reputation behind it, had merit, and by fucking god, did we get it? Like, age be damned. You know how long this this material's been around for? Mm-hmm. It's still poignant. It's still powerful. I, it was powerful for me as someone who's not been through it. I can't imagine what it must have been like for people who have, like those who've shared with us, how it must be like to have been seen by the show. And so for me, like, 
not the best show, but one of the greatest because of how what it did and what it meant to people. Yeah, I mean, boy, if I, hmm, like, just talk about ranking, which sounds so cold to do. You know, I don't want to do that. This is, this show deserves for me to not do that. But yeah, no, I, just in general, I agree that I think it is one of the best and one of the most uh, poignant and one of the most emotionally impactful shows that I've watched this year, like one of the top two or three easily. Um, I mean, it really spoke to me in a lot of ways. I mean, it, 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 uh, it's, it's not a perfect story. No, you know, because Fox is a particular downside Fox and, and to a certain degree, Blanca, the, as you pointed out earlier, the sort of misuse of the banana fish element, all these, there's all kinds of stuff that could be tightened up. But like at the end of the day, I, I wait anime and remember anime, I think a lot more for did they make me feel something than were they well-constructed um, writing-wise. I mean, certainly well-constructed writing can help and oftentimes is the thing that mm-hmm. makes an anime punch you emotionally, and it's, it's the case here as well. But I mean, that's why I'm willing to be like, you know, it's not a perfect story, but like that scene at the end of episode 23 when they almost touch hands... I mean, that is indelible to me in my brain. Mm. I will remember that forever. Yeah. It's because of the way it affected me emotionally. And I just, I won't care about Fox and I won't care about uh, yeah. the fact that. By the way, side, who gives life. a, yeah, they, they're problems. Don't get me wrong. But if there's one thing that I have learned recently is that when we critique shows, Mm-hmm. We can't critique them very academically. We can be like, well, this didn't work because this framing was off in this shot. Or, oh, these characters say things that contradict each other. Or even the minor plot hole I brought up of like, Ash says, oh, you told me to kill people and make sure they're dead, and then he didn't in the previous scene. We can be like that all day. But I think that what people underestimate is the value in explaining how it affects people emotionally. And this is why it was so important and so valuable and, and so humbling to hear from people in our audience who were willing to share their experiences with us where they felt like the anime connected with them as a result of that. And I can speak to my own reactions to it. Like I, in the final five minutes of the episode was just like, yeah, that was my face. That was my face right there. So on those levels, like it's certainly well written, not brilliantly, but very well written, but it has an emotional heart. And it truly connects with people. And that's why, even if I will not say that it's the best thing I've seen all year, I will certainly say it's one of the most important. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's both. Like I, mm. yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's both. Um, but in many ways it's because I haven't watched just a whole ton of anime this year. <laughs> that's probably part of it. Um, mm. But I can't, it's hard for me to imagine that other things would, uh, would get at me and and make me feel as strongly as this show did. 
I mean, I yeah. And let's not, and let's also just acknowledge the way of areas it does succeed in. It is a genuinely interesting crime drama. Finding out earlier on in the show what banana fish is and what it does to people was genuinely compelling. The comedy was on point. Mm-hmm. The romance mm-hmm. elements like, between the two leads were you really were, you well. You were handled. worried about the comedy at the beginning, it being the the tonal whiplash. And yeah, not, not no, unfairly it, so. Uh, flow between them magnificently. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked out. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's, we kind of weren't. We didn't really know what banana fish was in the episode two and three. We had this idea of what we thought it was, um, and I think. Yeah, so I guess for posterity, since this is the final stream and we're talking about all our Banifish thoughts, for about the first half of the show or so, I was very much in the I want more vein that you were talking about, mm-hmm. about their relationship, Ash and Aging. Um, and I was focusing on... Uh, a certain slice of banana fish. You know, I was thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, you have all these depictions of gay people as these horrible people and like gay sex as, you know, this thing that is all about control and all about violation. Boy, Mm -hmm. I mean, it'd be nice to see this presented in a positive light. Um, And like, I still think that that is true. It would be nice to see it presented in a positive light in this story or another. Mm. But like, I think my, I was focusing so much on that. I was not thinking about the other, the people coming to this story with other emotional needs and other that, that were being met. Through yeah. The, the same story. with me. Absolutely. Like, like you talked about the victims of trauma of emotional, physical, sexual abuse. They've written into us about this and like yeah like you talked about like i'm so grateful that we yeah in, in fact can i can i intervene just to say something here like doing like prior to extreme before on mmo junkie and on franks we of course have done a lot of podcast episodes and we're still doing more i'm currently in the process of editing macross delta which by the way when you were talking about you wanted more that reminded me of that then like it's a similar vein but i really have to say that i'm so incredibly happy and blown away that we've been able to provide this kind of environment where people have felt comfortable talking to us about that. That is incredibly humbling that's happened. That means a lot. And if I can promise one thing going out from here, as far as my part plays in doing Worried Esho, is that I hope that we can continue that. I'm not saying that people have to tell us about their problems if they don't want to. No, yeah, yeah. But... But I'm just saying that I'm glad that we've cultivated this kind of environment almost by accident. And now I'm going to do my damnedest to keep it that way. Yeah. Not like it'll educate me, but on top of that, it'll be good for people to be able to speak about that. And I'm going to try my best to allow that to continue to happen. Because we're going to be running into some rough shit with next season with the promised Netherland, of course. Um, And we'll crack a couple of jokes on the way and all that, you know, we'll have our laughs. We'll, we'll talk about, you know, like things like we did with the cop blocking jokes and all that and all that <laughs> shit. But I do want to keep that element that we've discovered true. And I also want to, again, absolutely thank and respect and admire the people who've written to us and told us about this, how it's meant, what it's meant to them personally in great detail. 
Mm-hmm. That's a lot of trust and a lot of faith that has been put into us that we would react, you know, be able to respond to that, you know, be able to share that with us. That's powerful. That's meaningful. And I'm honestly so taken away, taken back by that. that I just wanted to throw out there and thank you all for it. Uh, second. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I too am happy at what our small community has uh, been able to, to become and it's blossoming and it's, it's awesome. It's wonderful. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like, <laughs> say a safe space for literary pretentious anime discussion. Well, I mean, yes, lol. Right. But also banana fish is the best anime reading list of all year. There you go. You've got your homework <laughs> now, folks. God. Um, yeah. All right, uh, but, um, but but also, uh, I mean, I like yes, it's haha. It, it, ha. <laughs> it's funny, pretentious anime discussion. We are a safe space for that because that's yes, we are pretentious guys who discuss anime pretentiously. Um, that's very kind, Mira, Manira, and Jessica, and Liamaru, and Charlie, everyone, uh, everybody. Um, but Combo yeah, no breaker, 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 breaker. <laughs> but I think Shadon is for real. Like, no fucking jokes. Like, I am really happy that people can like feel like that they're able to reach out and trust us enough to be like, you know, I've been through some of this. Here's my take on it. Here's my perspective. Yeah, because I mean that's really making yourself vulnerable and putting yourself out there. Uh, and I'm, I'm super happy people in the chat have been yeah. able to be, have fun and, and, uh, and, and enjoy and cry together <laughs> and everything. Cause yeah. this show fucking will take it out of you. Um, like it's a very emotional thing. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, doc, let's wrap up then. Um, do you, okay. For ratings then, cause we have been racing all the way through. Let's skip straight to the big conclusion. Out of five, whatever you want to choose, what would you rate Banana Fish? As a whole? As a whole. Let's go straight to the end here. Let's get the final final scores out of the way, you know. Mission complete score, the ranking okay. and everything. Yeah, it's... I I think I'm the most... The more generous, greater... Of the two. Oh, I, I easily, easily, uh, by far. And, uh, well, th- the, thank you, Emily. Um, we're about to go back to Shonen Jump. <laughs> we, <laughs> we do Neverland. Um, uh, but no, there's, there's so much good anime beyond Shonen Jump. Um, boy, I think, whoo, gosh. This was such a fucking good show, dude. Like for so, I mean, there was so much great action. Uh, such like, I mean, don't forget, while while we lost this, there was about a quarter of the show with palpable intensity. It fostered oh my God, that in yeah. us. The round, so, the bit around shot. Oh, holy shit! And in the beginning, we thought anyone could die. Uh, when people like um, Marvin, you know, yeah. getting scratched, and maybe, like... maybe, maybe the question we should have been asking is, could anyone die? But can any of these people here live? 
Uh, Boom! <laughs> oh, I dropped that bomb right there, didn't I? That was something. I gotta give you the applause for that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, go on, Doc. You, all of you are lovely, Liamaru. Um, yes, KE, Banana Fish was an experience. Oh, it better not have a tournament arc. <laughs> it does not seem to be that. So my experience with The Promised Neverland, Emily, is that it is um, psychological horror. It's I'm in for that. It's it's pretty. It's a tense read. It's very character driven. Uh, it's very, it's kind of puzzle boxy because it's 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 one of those anime that set out like here's this objective, but here's this like convoluted Rubik's cube of a trap that you have to kind of figure out how to get through characters and all these obstacles and they keep growing and uh and there's some it's really oh there it it's this super benign setting in some ways but like because you the audience know shit you'll see things happen and you're just like oh my god that's fucking scary and frightening and intense um so no tournament arcs um yet maybe maybe in the distant future like four arcs from now the character settings will be a way <laughs> certain way and like uh but but no okay so i would rate banana fish yeah so like i was saying great action intensity characters i just absolutely fell in love with um wonderful storytelling a lot of the time um sometimes it was goofy but it was a goofiness that i liked <laughs> um, yeah and it was so powerful in the end and had so many really powerful moments. It made me feel so much, which I have said, like, it's a thing I just, I value in media deeply and that makes it memorable to me. Thematically, it was so good. Um, and it taught me, like I was saying earlier, that, like, you know, I, I should... I might want things to be a certain way, even though I know, like, Banana Fish is the story from the 80s. Like, I might be like, ah, oh, I wish it was more progressive, da, da, da. But, like, man, it still helped people and still made people feel seen that were trauma yeah. victims. And, like, that's important for me to think about, to look at all these things from different perspectives. So, all that being said, and that's, I know, a jumble of subjective and objective you know, things about the show and things about me. But I'm going to give it a nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> because, man, it fucking ruled. But, like, that half a point off is for uh, for Fox, <laughs> basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Um, firstly, to answer Monero's question, maybe, but time is unfortunately always against us. Um but I would certainly look, be interested in doing that. Anyway, my rating. I'm going to rate it twice, actually, and I'll explain. Ooh, okay. I'll, okay, if I'm rating the show purely academically in terms of its success, like I was grading a creative writing project, which makes me sound like I'm completely full of myself, and you know what, you could very well be right, but bear with me here. Um, its tone was handled magnificently. 
the issues that I had with it were mostly the questions of how it adapted the source material and what it chose to keep versus what it cut out. Um, and it didn't feel like the most efficiently told story. The pacing was a bit wild in places. Fox was a fucking atrophied waste of time. It was the pacing, I, you're right. There were some problems. There were yeah, some problems. And, uh, Blanca was incomplete, as I would, mm-hmm. I would describe it. He was, incomplete, he was incompletely written into the story. But that's it as far as complaint. Well, of course, the anti-Semitic crap is in it, but that's that's fair. I'm only bringing it up because if I, I didn't mention it, people would think I forgot about it. Yeah, but that's another... Everything, that, that's, that's everything in the, else. That's in the point five I took off. <laughs> I was a lot rolled up into that half a point. Yeah. Um, but everything else was magnificent. I really appreciate how the story gelled together, the crime-like dra- drama with the slice slice. So as comparison points... Here's the life they lead, and here's the life they should lead. They were not separate entities that didn't feel like they served their own purpose or felt like they were compartmentalized. They gelled together. They wove together. And the characters were always really interesting, engaging, even the minor ones. I mean, sure, we only got eight episodes of him, and I was fucking wounded when he died. I was so mad. And... It told me a lot about, um, you know, how characters deal with trauma. It felt, it touched me. It made me laugh. <coughs> My voice is going. Um, it made me sad. The action was good as well. The action, like, apart from the tension issues with Ash Dimension, was still great. Yeah, There was a lot of thought points to it. So, academically, I'm going to end up rating the show as a 4.25 out of 5. Uh, by which I mean 4.25 uh, books you should read from the Banana Fish reading list out of 5. <laughs> that's the reason I'm rating it twice here. And it makes me, again, very happy to be doing this week-on-week format where we get to engage with people in real time. For what the show has taught me, the value, the varying value of shows to one person to another and how, while some people may watch them academically and enjoy them as a work of drama, other people can watch them as a work of healing as a work of validation and how it can you know make them better it won't no no work will ever heal someone fully as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah it'll make them better it'll help them along their path and the fact that so many people have spoken to us about that flash it earns nothing more than a five out of five in my opinion i'm not even making a joke reference to it it's as simple as that that's that was so meaningful so many people five out of five done Simple as that. I got nothing else. What more do you want from me? Wow. 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 Five out of five. Damn. I never like I said, thought I'd just... live to see the day. Well, you here we even, are. You didn't even He's rate the... Macross Frontier a five out of five. Well, like I said, that's why I rate them separately. Yeah. And... Because I think that now that I've realized it's important to judge and work both on how you feel about it, but also how other people might feel about it, I felt it was reasonable for me to rate them separately in that manner. But yeah, um, what a fucking show, and I have nothing more to add. That's it. All right, so let's wrap up. Let's conclude. Um, And I feel like we haven't even... I don't know about you, but I feel like I could say so much more. I feel like that there's like we should we could do like a 
banana fish one week later like a postmortem <laughs> like now that i've had time to think about it uh but 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 yeah i mean i know i see why people respect it so much like mm. and that it has as a as a property endured uh for so long and not i mean certainly i gosh yeah i mean it's just so good it's so good so awesome. I love it. Uh, okay. But yeah, time, time um, to wrap up, I suppose. I just want to see a question from Nero. The first time, well, there have been others that have had five out of fives for me. They were Berserk, Land of the Lustrous, Magic Magica, and what was the other one? Was it, was it not Frontier for a minute, or was it was it Frontier no, always Frontier, nine? It was a nine out of a ten. Anyway, it's on our top ten anime thing. It's on this very channel. You can have a look at it. Yeah, that's, um, that's right. All right, so Doc, where can people find you on the internet? At the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. There we go. <laughs> yeah, and on Warrior Destro also. True. You can find me at Shade and Ten Ten on Twitter and at Curious Cat. So uh, let's wrap up with one final message just while we're out there, so everyone, because it is that time of year, of course. Oh yeah. So, so here's here's the thing, right? I'm going to be pragmatic here, but I'm going to be honest with everyone. I'm not going to pretend like that everyone can ultimately have a great Christmas. Like I, I could say to everyone, I know you'll have a great time with your family and folks. I know you'll have a great time. Session. Like I can't say that with absolute certainty for any, Well, what I will say from the genuine depths of my heart is I hope every single person listening in this chat here and now has a fucking great Christmas and has a great new year. That's what I want for everyone. I can't give it. If I could give it, I absolutely would immediately but for me that's the thing i will give to you all that i want you all to have a great time for christmas i want you to have the best time you can have so for me and doc here at worried show this has been season three of stream of thought covering banana fish it has been an absolute delight such and a pleasure, pleasure to be, talk, such to be pleasure. talking with all of you to meet such great people throughout mm-hmm. the various weeks we've been doing this uh we will return mm-hmm. in 2019 with the promised neverland uh, that's going to break my fucking heart as well. That's going to be a ride. That's going to be a trip. I would very much like to invite and welcome all of you to come join us again when that happens. Welcome to um, The Suffering. <laughs> the Sufferer Suffering. Suffering, suffering. Featuring yeah. little kids. <laughs> Just... Oh, God. I hope no one clips that out of context. <laughs> oh, dear. Dear, oh, dear. But anyway, um, yep. 2019, we will be back for season four. And, well, until then, as we're often quite fond of saying on this little old show of ours, <laughs> embrace Jeff for everyone. To the ends of the universe, a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Good night. We're nothing without you. We love you. Mwah. <laughs>